We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The Beercast. I am your host, Rob Huang, along with my co-host, Andy Johnston. The Ice Cruncher. The Ice Cruncher. The cruncher of souls. <laughs> he munches on your soul. Cruncher of ESPN souls and yes. Rod Gilmore. <laughs> I'll continue to crunch <laughs> Rod Gilmore's soul. Oh, man. What a weekend. What a, a terrible, terrible weekend. Terrible. I had such a good weekend, and the Cal game tried its best to ruin it, but it did not. But we did have good food, you and I. Yeah, man, that's, that was That's pretty much it. I mean, that was the, the highlight of that night. And that South Park episode that we watched after the game just to alleviate yeah. the pain. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was a good episode. Um, and it was fitting, too, since today is Columbus Day. <laughs> it was a really fitting fitting episode. Um, but, yeah, instead of our uh, regularly scheduled programming, which is usually going over the game and all that good stuff, which we will cover for a little bit. I think a good we'll, we'll talk about the Washington game for a little bit. But mostly I think we're just going to take this time to make it a, a – uh, first half of the season review because that was game six. <laughs> Incredibly enough, we're already halfway through our football season. That's crazy. Six games left? Six games left. Yeah, this is the fun part because now we can actually point to games and say we outside of this Friday, yeah, we can win some of them. So, so let's, let's start with uh, just breaking news in the Pac-12 today. Gary Anderson mutually parts ways with Oregon State. It's not even like mutually part ways. Like Gary Anderson declined hell of money. 21 point, I think one or two million at that point. Who's counting? But 21 million basically. Crazy. It's also shocking that that didn't work out. Yeah. I thought that was a home run hire from the very beginning, but it just never seemed to get off the ground. But at this point, well, shouldn't you have just waited to the end of the season? I mean, you're already halfway there. Like why maybe... Maybe recruiting. Maybe they felt that they could get a head start in recruiting. Unless it, the conver- I think it has to do a lot more with the conversation. If it's like, if you know a coach is just like not doing it and just like not vested in it, then like it's a matter of okay, let's just get some new blood into the system and breathe life into the program and start now. People are already talking about like less miles. <laughs> People are already like yeah, that'd be just great. Hire. Starting the re- starting the rumor mill. I, I don't think it'll happen. Um, I don't Obviously, think Oregon State has the hire. money to do that deal, probably. It's kind of like us, yeah. sadly. You know, like we were saying the same things, yeah. like Chip I'm, Kelly. Yeah, no, don't. we don't have the money. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's, a pretty, that's an interesting point. I mean, if Les Miles does 
end up taking that job? Let's say he does. Like the Pac-12 coaching pedigree from top to bottom is ridiculous in terms of just name coaches. Whether that whether that team's doing well or not, like just the name brand of all the coaches that we have in the Pac-12 is crazy to think about. But I mean, they easily could hire Mike Riley back. They could. With how poor Nebraska looks. Uh, yeah, and he's recruiting real well at Nebraska. So yeah, who says he can't turn that around and take that back to Oregon State? That, <laughs> what a turnaround that would be. Can you imagine that? She's like, nah. I wonder no what Oregon, Oregon State fans would feel. I, <laughs> <laughs> I guess Brett Belima might be out like, too at Arkansas. Like, imagine if Wilcox fails in like three years and then we turn around and hire. Let's say Tony Franklin <laughs> or Jake Spavital. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> oh man. Oh, the stories we could write, the storylines, the narrative of that would be, oh God. No, I don't think I want to go back to that life. No, I don't either. I, I still enjoyed our thrashing at Washington far more than I've ever enjoyed one of those Sunny Dykes games. 45, 42 or, games? No, I mean, some of those were fun, but like the frustration level. When you're watching just absolutely awful execution, like that's the thing. Like, yes, to some degree, we had to watch that on Saturday, but even still, like, I didn't feel like Coach Wilcox was pretty harsh on the execution. I actually loved his post game presser, even though the audio was awful. Yeah, I don't uh, think the mic was plugged in properly. No, my gosh, <laughs> so hard to listen to. But it was it was great to actually see a little bit more from him. Uh, you can tell like where his frustration point is because I listened to on the radio the pregame interview that he did, and he was like, we had a great week of practice. Comes in super excited and clearly kind of had a gut check moment there, and then it was all on the offense. But even at the offense's worst, which is negative 19 rushing yards, so as about as bad as you could possibly get. Is there, is, I can s- you get worse? I don't think so. <laughs> I still take that over, let's say, the Oregon game last year where we had to sit in the booth and just watch that ridiculous, awful defense give up all of those points. I mean, it's just so frustrating because like, you want to just be like, what in the world are you thinking? Whereas like with the offense, you're just like, wow, Bowers really doesn't know how to move in the pockets or our O-line are getting destroyed off uh, – like. Just the pure strength and brute brutality of their D-line, Absurd. which is ridiculous. Their D-line is just so good. And then, like, our receivers apparently can't get down the field, and nope. we can't rush the ball uh, more than two yards at a time. And, I mean, we were pretty inept on offense on Saturday. That's definitely the worst I've seen us look, though, in four years, I'd say. Offensively? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's definitely the worst. So this is this is where the a lot of people have been tweeting. I've seen a lot of tweets about the our previous coaching regime's ineptitude to to recruit depth. Like that's the that's the that's some of the storylines I've seen after that Washington game, which is kind of true. I mean, if you really look at it, but at the same time, like you look at the age gap, and that was pretty big. Like everyone, a lot of people had some words for. Jeremiah Hawkins and that touchdown drop, which would have been a surefire <laughs> touchdown. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I look at that and I, that's just a freshman mistake in a big in a big setting. Like he just, I I 
looked at the replay, it kind of looked like he was already looking at the end zone before he had actually caught the ball. And that's just one of those just mental errors, which which is fixable. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll go from there. But anyways, I guess since we're on the topic, we'll talk about that Washington game for a little bit. I, I want to I get your just your overall thought of how the game went. <laughs> you already know how my yeah my I do overall I do but the thought. listeners don't because I we were watched it together so we were both we were both screaming at each other pretty much just hands up in the air constantly. Well, number one, Mark Jones and Rod Gilmore are some of the worst commentators in entire college football. I'd rather take Ted Robinson at this point. At that at that point of the night. I like Teddy. He calls a good tennis match. (laughs) I don't understand for a second why five minutes of that broadcast was wasted to ESPN trying to prove that night games were more watched than day games without providing a source, by the way, on that, which is inexcusable. And then to have them laugh and say, where else would you watch it? Um, NBC Sports would be a great place. CBS Sports would be a great place. Fox Sports would be a great place. You guys aren't the only game in town. And then finally, to have to listen to him talk about playing high school baseball and then yeah. rooting, actively rooting for Dante Pettis. Like, that was by far the worst part yeah. of that whole game. I actually think that the game as a whole, from a deep, we talked about this, it's actually very fun to watch our defense play. It is. Very frustrating in those third down situations to see them not uh, can, like, get the stop that they needed. But. I mean, we never saw our defense get to these third and manageable downs against an opponent where they would force the opponent to make those plays. And Washington's a team that's going to make those plays. And they did so at a rate that was higher than their average. Um, So, yeah, my overall impression of the game was one where I was more frustrated by the ridiculous fraud that was the production element from ESPN, from... Kirk Herbstreet's ludicrous comments to uh, the cupcake stunt in the third quarter. God. They managed to piss off both Cal and Washington fans and any other fan in the Pac-12 for that matter. And you, well, I mean, they, I think realistically they managed to piss off anyone that watches football on the West Coast. <laughs> like, it's, it's just so, it's so backwards. Why a place that's so big has to be so petty? But then I'm like, well, look at the president. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I don't want to derail this whole thing with that, but that is not water under the bridge yet for me. Um, the game as a whole was very frustrating to watch our offense. It's very clear, like, uh, Bowers does not have any faith in his O-line, and he has no idea which way to roll out when the pocket collapses. He has no clue. Like, the thing that we notice the most is – there's that one play where he stepped up into a collapsed pocket and just immediately got sacked. We're like, dude, like, what are you doing? Or uh, where he had a perfect opportunity to roll outside of the defensive end and then stepped up into the pocket and got sacked. Or he could have come out and rolled out in the pocket. Like, look, man, if the pocket's going to collapse on you every time, like, get those legs moving, make plays outside, do what Sam Darnold does. Uh, and not easily done, but, you know, can't keep doing the same old thing and hoping that new things will happen. So that I think that was my biggest frustration point. The most exciting point was like the defense competed with Washington. For anyone to say that the defense did not 
uh, play well this game, I think is completely overlooking the field position that they were put in. Uh, from ridiculous things like the Patrick Laird fumble very early on, the amount of times that Washington got the ball back and the defense had to respond, even coming out of halftime. I thought that first defensive stand with Tevin Paul's sack to get the ball back, and then we almost get a score uh, with Hawkins, as you mentioned, catching like dropping that pass. Like They played, I mean, they had the defensive stand uh, after that fumble to have zero points up on the board. It was like 10-0 after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. It felt like it could have been 30-0 Easy. after that in the first quarter. So defense hung in there. They That game, if it's 24 points against Washington and you have an average offense in the Pac-12, you know, that's a ball game, folks. Yeah. It's, it's not that hard to conceive that it's a close game. And um, and who knows? But the third down conversions, everyone points to that. Well, your defense was out on the field. Like, was it was 70, 70-something plays for Washington yeah, and 30 plays for 78 Cal? 78 plays and 30, 35, I think, for Cal. And then they had their time of possession was close to about 12 minutes more than ours. So it's crazy. Yeah. What about you? I've been rambling. Um, here's my thing, and I think this puts it into perspective. How funny is it? How funny is it to think about that just a year ago, just a year ago, when we were watching Cal football games, we just prayed to God that the defense would catch a break, right? You know, we've, we've talked about this so much, like any given drive, right? Let's say we, we scored one and we say, okay, I think we can win this game if the defense can get just one stop for us, Right. That's that's our that was our mentality all of last year and the year before that. It never happened. This season, it's the exact flip. Defense gets a three and out. And we say if the offense can just get clicking on just this one drive. Just this one <laughs> drive, right? Is it's 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 baffling to me that over a one year switch like that, it's such a drastic change from one side of the ball to the other. And you and I are on the same page with this. The defense played outstanding. They did they did to the best of their ability with the situations they were given them, right? We already were lacking depth across the board on the defensive side, other than defensive backs. I think defensive backs, we have a pretty solid depth, you know, in terms of we can go three deep at every position. But linebackers and D-line, we are very, very short-staffed, especially if we're going to try and compete and get fresh legs in there all the time, we just don't have the bodies to do that. And on top of that, you're putting your defense, the offense goes out there, goes three and out, and the defense is right back on there. And the defense gets a stop. As they sit down, pretty much, they got to get back up and head out on the field because the, the offense just went three and out again. And that can that only gets you so far. And... I, I can't remember where I read this. I think it was, uh, was it, a, or where I heard this. I think it was while I was watching an NFL game. And I didn't realize this before, but they were talking about the O-line, right? And they were talking about how when you constantly put your O-line in pass pro, they, they have to be on the back foot, and they're taking the blunt of the hits of the D-line and the linebackers coming on them on a blitz. Mm. Whereas if you put them in the run game, they lay out the hits, which is less stress on your body in terms of the, de- in, in terms of the, the force that you have to take. And I, I, I remembered that, and I thought of that exactly as the way for our defense. You can only go so much when they're running the ball constantly at our defenders, right? Constantly having to, to, to watch the gaps and then plug the gaps and get hit by guys like Miles Gaskin, who's not an easy tackle by any means. 
And for them to constantly have to do that, it just wore them down. And it just got to the point where, I'm sorry to say it, we just didn't have the stamina. We that's I honestly think that's why we gave up. Was it 38 points? There's a lot of there were a lot of times where our legs just gave up. Like our guys were tired. Yeah. And I don't want to make that excuse for the guys because I know how much how hard those guys work. But we are human, <laughs> and we do get tired. And if you're constantly out there getting bombarded like that, and they, it's not like they even passed a lot either, you know? But it's just the constant barrage of getting five yards, four yards, or you, you muster up the energy to get, you know, three and then two, and it's a third and five, and they run a play action on you, and you're just, you just can't get out into the space in time. I think that just mounted on another and another and another, and it just got to the point where our defense just started to collapse towards the end in terms of just tiredness and stamina. Well, it's one thing to have your offense struggle. It's another to go three and out on every possession. Yeah. And, you know, if your offense is getting, let's say, a couple first downs, you get a breather on the sideline, then you come back in, there was no break. No. It was just back to back to back to back. And it just felt like they were out there the entire quarter, and after that, the entire quarter. And hats off to those guys. They played. They played a very strong ball game. Yeah, we're set at DBs. By the way, Elijah Hicks was making plays out there. Josh Drayton is just going to be a stud. Yep, Cameron Bynum. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all making solid plays against NFL ready talent. So I'm very excited about that. I want to touch on one thing that you brought up earlier, which was the recruiting, mm-hmm. and. I keep myself in check by saying, imagine this game if Sonny Dykes is still here. Mm. I do that each game, particularly the Oregon game, mm-hmm. and then particularly this game. And I was like, okay, so what? I think I tweeted out the game. The score would have been 82 to 0 yeah. if Sonny Dykes was the head coach of Cal. So maybe not that much, but I think we have quick, quick memories and we kind of forget. Like we had, first of all, no defensive coordinator that wanted to come and work here. Yep. And then on top of it, our quarterbacks that we have right now, like whether if you like Bowers or you don't like Bowers, that's what you had. You had Bowers and Forrest and Gilliam and Veramontes. Like, that's who, and maybe Garbers coming in. So take take your pick. Gar- Bowers won that competition. You get sunny, a Sunny Dykes offense that loses Trey Watson, that has this level of an O line, and then a wide receiver core that's that young, and then a defense that hasn't been properly coached over the past three seasons. I don't think I. This is going to sound rough, but I just don't know if we would have won a game this year. I mm-hmm. I really don't. I think it would have been a full on, full blown rebuild year. I mean, not not a rebuild year. It would have been like the sky is falling <laughs> and Cal is questioning whether or not they should have a football team. I mean, so at least we have the positives takeaway, takeaways because you know it can get a whole lot worse. And as much as losing sucks, at least we've had these down moments to make us appreciate the fact like we know it could be worse. And when it does eventually turn around, like that will make those moments that much sweeter. It's the same reason why like the Giants winning in 2010 was such a great feeling or, or the Warriors being so good now is such a good feeling because we were never good. And so it is coming. And I, I do find myself being very grateful that we made the transition, albeit later in the year, but everything had an impact. I mean, 
every single thing. Like the reason why the we're struggling with depth isn't has doesn't have anything to do with Wilcox. Those guys are well coached. Yeah. It just has to do with the fact that we don't have anywhere else to pull from. And you said it yourself. We had to keep burning red shirts if we keep pulling guys in. So this is the team we have. You won't hear anything from the coaches that says anything else. And then I am very, very excited about the idea of or about our recruiting and what that could mean for the next couple of years. Yeah, even already. I mean, you and I have talked about this an upcoming recruiting class already looks like it's going to shore up all the positions of need immediately um and you see guys we saw we saw that one tweet from the from the number one is it inside linebacker or uh, outside outside linebacker mm-hmm. in the city of california um tweeting out let's go bears during the washington game and you know it's it's things like that that you know cal was always fun when we had a defense that could compete and the offense i feel like that's i yeah people can say i'm wrong but for me, college football is if you have a good defense, you can compete in every single game. Doesn't matter how incompetent your offense is, because your defense is going to give you a shot at least for the offense to consistently go out there and play without the pressure of knowing that they have to score. Unless they're as incompetent as our offense was last exactly. week. Exactly. That level of incompetence yeah, is like <laughs> the threshold that you can't pass. You can't go three and out on every single possession. No, you can't. You can't. You definitely can't. Have thirty nine yards of total offense in the first half. Is that it? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. But, like, but honestly, you're you're right. I mean, if you don't even have to. You can have half an offense. Look at Stanford. Look at Utah. Yeah. You just if you can just run the ball. If you just run the football and you have a good defense to go along with it, you'll be a good team in college football. Yep. You don't have to be able to have an elite passer. Nope. You have to have Jared Goff back there. You just got to get somebody that can move the chains occasionally, get you in a position to score some points, and win a game 17 to 14 or 17 to 10. Yeah. That's, that's how it is. I mean, you look at some of the best Cal teams under Tedford, too. It's not like our offense was blowing people out of the water every game. I mean, the 07 team, that offense was incredible. Um, but you look at the latter years, it was pretty much you just had one stud. You had Keenan. <laughs> and it must have worked for you. So... Yeah, it's just, I, I, I just want to end with this. I, I've seen a lot of people tweeting about the score and how our team sucked in terms of playing and how we should change powers immediately and why is our defense giving up 38 points to Washington. All I got to say is, do you not remember us preseason? Do you not remember us saying that we could probably only win three games? We've already done that, and we already knew this four-game stretch was probably going to be one and four, Owen, most likely 0-4, but we were hoping for maybe to steal one or two. Oregon was the winnable game. Yeah, Oregon was the stealer. Uh, actually, in retrospect, the SC game, I think, was more winnable than the Oregon game. Yeah. In retrospect. Scheduling, though. Yeah. yeah. The scheduling was horrendous for us, uh, those four games. But That's Pac-12. Yeah. Regardless, I'm looking at that going, I think people are quick to forget I think people got hyped up way too easy because we started off the season three and zero. Well, you see the potential of that defense. Exactly, and it's exactly. not hard to see it. Like I, I find myself like, even knowing full well of doing the pre offensive preview and being like, yeah, their running backs amazing and their wide receivers are amazing, their quarterbacks amazing, their coach is amazing. It's like, okay, like you don't really expect much from the game, but that little. A little glimmer, glimmer voice in your head that says, "Hey, wait, what if? Yeah, what if the defense shuts them down?" Yeah. 
What if what one if, or two mistakes? And that's, I mean, yeah. You look at that Browning's pass uh, that uh, hit Darren Brown. I think in the hands yep. in the end zone that yep. looked like he had a lot of daylight in front of him. Um, that was a per, pretty big play where I don't know. I mean, you start off with something like that. You just can't do it without offense. Like you just got to have something there, and we had nothing. Um, we did everything that we were supposed to do in terms of outside of our offense scoring. Like our defense held them to third and manageable. We punt when we punted. We punted to Pettis, but we punted it either far away enough or high enough where our guys got down to him, and he barely had room to run. And we did everything. Well, that game plan wise, it went according to plan or what people expected as like the three points, you know, for the Bears to win. Right. Hold Austin Pettis from scoring on special teams, get to third and manageable and get get off the field on defense. It was just that one thing, which is the offense. All right. So let's uh, move to one thing you brought up. It's kind of like a two parter, but it's Ross Bowers, a quarterback. Mm hmm. And through six games, I guess we could use... I don't know. This we'll use that too. as a segue into our midseason review. Well, it's Ross Bowers, our quarterback. I want to do a quick post, post-game Wilcox interview comments on Ross Bowers. And then your thoughts, let's say, if, Was- if Washington State were to go south quick, what do you think happens? Washington State were to go south quick, like in terms of Ross? It's a three-part question. All right. So let's 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 start with the first one. How, through six games, all right. Yeah. My, you want my impression first? Mm-hmm. This is Rob talking. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he his play has was spectacular at NC. Um, spectacular for a for a first time quarterback playing away at a power five school, right? In a wee hours of the morning game. Right, which was like a 6 a.m. game in terms of their body time because it was like a 9 a.m. game here, right? Oh, no, actually, sorry. It was a noon game there, so it was, an, it was a 9 a.m. game. So they were probably up since 6 a.m. too. Um, but for that, and he did not have a great first half, but he came back and he fired in the second. He was on fire in the second half. And I looked at that and I go, okay, I'm willing to roll with those growing pains. I'm willing to roll with the with the bad first halves and you know somehow turning it around and if we lose the game because he made an he made an error on the last minute though trying to do a little too much so be it because if that's a learning experience then the Weber State game happened which was kind of weird because it was way too close for it way too close than we expected it to be especially with the way that they had played um, the week before. Let me just tell you some North Carolina scores. Yes. Does this change your opinion? Yes. Cal, 35-30 over North Carolina. Louisville, 47-35 over North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina's terrible. 53-23 over Old Dominion. North Carolina wins. 27-17, Duke wins. 33-7, Georgia Tech over North Carolina. And 33-10, Notre Dame over North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina's terrible. Absolutely terrible. So even if they're terrible, you still think spectacular. I I think so. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'm giving it to I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt as a first time quarterback. But I will say the SC game for me, it's not even the Ole Miss game. I think the Ole Miss game, he had mistakes, but it was pretty good. But the SC game was 
the a big it was a big like fulcrum moment in that in his career. And now we said this in the preview. I think I said this in the preview. Is I feel I felt like the SC game was could go either way for Ross. Either he turns it around from that Ole Miss game, which he had a couple interceptions and just explodes, or he falls into his traps of like the just the mental aspect of that's the mistakes I made in the last game and tries to do too much and leads to his downfall. It was the latter that happened in the SC game. And he even admitted it after the SC game when he said, you know, that I tried to make something out of nothing and I tried to do too much. And I'm not a sports doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, but just judging from the way of his movements in the pocket and also just the way he scrambles, he's gotten a lot antsier since the beginning of the season. And, um, you know, baseball players with closers, you know, you're down – you know, ninth inning, two outs, bases loaded, and all you gotta do is get, strike out this one guy, and the guy hits a homer off you, and it's a walk off, walk off grand slam. The cl- closer's job and his mentality is very telling of how he performs in that next game, and and if he doesn't, and he falls into that mental trap again, of course, what we refer to in 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 sports is the yips, right? And I kind of feel like he's getting into that a little bit in terms of when he gets pressure on him in the pocket. And when he has to scramble, he it just triggers the memories and everything of I don't one thing is for sure, he's not scared of getting hit. That's definitely not it. Um, but I think it's his 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 need and want to try and do something for the team that overwhelms the rational aspect of what a quarterback needs to do in those types of situations. And that's where it's been declining significantly over every game. And that's where it gets scary because if, if he can't get himself out of this, out of this train of thought, you're, you're going to have to put in another quarterback at that point. If he's scrambling and then, you know, gets tackled by his shoelaces and then Chuck just chucks it up or, tries to make another throw downfield and lofts it up too high and gets another interception. Like, you can only allow that so much and and say that that's growing pains of a, of a fresh quarterback. So that's where I'm at Okay, halfway through the season. You? Well, I'll lead off with a statement that I'm sure I'll regret one day. Chase Forrest <laughs> looked way better against Washington's second-team defense then I've seen Ross Bowers look at three weeks. I mean, my issue is one is like at SC, as you know, we were up in the booth and I just was really unimpressed. Yeah, I thought uh, he was good at North Carolina. Um, and then I thought he was good against Ole Miss. But it's not great. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. I think he was great. I thought he was good. Noticeable areas for improvement, but right, we were tracking the trend lines and saying, okay, improving, but need to see the jump. Then SC happened where I just felt like the whole game he was bad. Like it wasn't just the end of the fourth quarter, it was like missing passes, missing locations, like just missing by inches that would have made the biggest difference in the game. And then it was like, um, then the Oregon game happened, and I would defer to your judgment on that one. Um, and then I watched this game, 
And this game was like, I mean, it was this game was pure, plain and simple regression. Like, there isn't any trust there. So something has happened. <laughs> yeah. And since Ole Miss to where we are now, that is really messing with the guy. So it was like so bizarre to watch a quarterback come in and wear the cow colors who was hitting guys in stride and, uh, you know, putting, let's say, like a skinny post right on the guy in the chest high in the numbers. Like, I just haven't seen Ross deliver that ball. And I'm not saying, like, I haven't seen Forrest in practice. Like, everybody loves a backup quarterback. I worked with the team when uh, everyone was calling for Riley to be benched and for uh, Brock Mansion to go in the games. And I was like, guys, like, you don't understand. Like, I'm in practice every single day. And as much as I love Brock and think he's a fantastic person, he just, plain and simple, was not better than Kevin Riley. Nor was... uh, Bo Sweeney. Definitely not Bo. And (laughs) there was another true uh, freshman that we had that was a four-star, came out of SoCal. And, and, you know, I knew he was really, really slow on his feet. Uh, But nobody else had that perspective because I was in camp every day. I was at practice every day, so I knew that we had nothing after. All my friends, oh, we need, we need the back, we need the back. Need like, nothing's else. coming, guys. Let me tell you, like, <laughs> nothing's coming. So I don't, I, I can't say I come from a position of knowing, but just from a position of seeing, like there is not a ton of loyalty for me for Bowers at this point. I like, I, I don't think he was that highly. I don't think that high of him as a recruit. Didn't think that high of him as a recruit. Um, and then haven't seen anything that makes me think that he's like the guy going into next year. I find myself being like, okay, JT Shrout, you better be awesome. Or Brandon McElwain, you better be the truth. We need somebody in there. And then Garbers. maybe has like, yeah, Garbers. Uh, yeah, yeah, Garbers. Um, but it's not, I don't find myself saying like, I've seen enough. I think he's got the right attitude. Um, I don't know. To me, he's more, he looks like more like a Zach Klein than he does than anything else. And Zach Klein, I liked Zach Klein. Yeah. He just wasn't, you know, he just wasn't a great quarterback. Except Zach Klein would probably throw a lot more interceptions. Uh, probably. So, yeah, where would I be at? I don't know. C? C, kind of like average? I'd put him at a C, too. If you were to just put a, a letter grade on it, yeah. just a solid C. And so, if, to the final point, if the offense comes out and goes three and out, the first six possessions of the Washington State game... Just like the Washington game? <laughs> yeah. I could almost guarantee you he gets benched. I, I cannot imagine that Coach Wilcox, after that press conference, where he came in heated... And said, everything is being evaluated. Yeah. Everything is on the table. I can't imagine that he sits and watches six consecutive three and outs and says, cool, let's try it again. I think that it's... Get somebody else in there that can feel the pocket. They won't so, burn Garber's red shirt, which is frustrating. So this is a total hypothetical, right, in between you and me. If you're the head coach, do you take the red shirt junior, who's your number two guy, right? If you had to pick one to put one in, right, let's say Bowers just get benched, do you put him in or do you throw the f- true freshman out on there and just what the hell? No, <laughs> I think at this point you're, you're you go with the you, you go with the two guys and you don't burn the red shirt. Okay, that's all I wanted to ask. I would, as a fan, I'd like to see the red shirt burned. Yeah, because I like to see the future, and I also put this on Sunny. Yeah, I put it on Sunny. We all do. 
Like, he had the opportunity multiple times to put Bowers into these games, and we wouldn't be dealing with some of the things we're dealing with. Yeah, we just saw Bowers hand the ball off a couple times. Right. And we saw <laughs> Davis Webb play for no reason at all. Yep. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Sonny's my go-to. Damn you, chicken spaghetti. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. right. I, I can't say I, I have been impressed. And it just doesn't come from a place of, like, feeling like, he seems like a great guy. I really like him in the press conference. Uh, he, he says the right things. He wants to get better. Seems very smart. Comes from an athletic family. Nothing against the guy. Just plain and simple, evaluating the quarterback. Looking at his pass, looking at the, like the spin he gets on each ball, a lot of the balls he throws has way too much air under it. It's not hitting guys in stride. It's behind. It's too high. It's low. Look at that pass to VC on the outside. It's like at his ankles, and VC's making these ridiculous catches. Like You just don't see a quarterback that's putting the ball in the right place on the, at the right time. Whether or not he has a pocket to do so is a different evaluation. But just from the plain and simple intangibles of what I look for in a quarterback, I don't see it. No. I couldn't agree with that, with that evaluation. Um, so, all right, let's let's uh, let's wrap this part up with just our thoughts on the season so far. Since we're since we talked about Ross through the first six games, let's talk about the whole team, the, the team as a whole through the first six games. How how upsetting is it <laughs> that pretty much a little little less than half the starters on defense we won't see next year? Okay, name them. Devontae Downs. Yep. Raymond Davison. Davison, too? Yeah. Oh. Damn it. Looney. Oh, yeah. And McCary. Okay, but on let me, the bright side. Okay. Saffle. Yeah. Weaver. Well, we get Saffle back because he's out injured for the rest of the year. Yep. Saffle, Weaver. Maybe Uday. Uh, well, I would say Ziande because Ziande was the guy that we all thought would play that outside linebacker role, but then uh, he got yeah. injured, remember? So, yes, yeah. so Z. Okay. Tevin uh, Paul, who you thought played pretty well because he's the only guy that had the sack in that Washington game, too. Except for my boy Funches. Uh, Funches as well. Yes. Yeah. We do I have one more year Funches. Funches. Um, and then at DB, you got Elijah, you got Cameron Bynum, Josh Drayden. You got Josh Drayden. Who else safety is? We got Jaren Brown coming back or no? I don't think so, but we do have Evan Rambo coming back. Oh, yeah. Thank and goodness. with Jalen Hawkins. Love Rambo. Yeah. And Rambo's... Did Hawkins not play on Saturday? I didn't see him. He did. You really? Yep. He ran kick. Oh. He ran kickoffs, I think, too. So, yeah, he was. He played. No. Yeah. Not yeah. the... Not... The nephew Hawkins, yes. The nephew Hawkins did play at safety and ran kickoffs. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're set there. Yeah. I don't think we're going to have to reset on defense as much as we think, but then I said the same thing about offense. Well, <laughs> so, so here's, the, here's, here's the thing about the defense, and we're getting ahead of ourselves looking into all the ready to next year, but it's not a matter of do we have guys that can fill in the starter shoes. It's a matter of when they move up, do we have guys underneath them that can spell them? That's, yeah. that's pretty much what it is. Good point. Is Weaver is going to step up in that middle linebacker role. Great. Um, Saffle's going to be great on the outside. Ziande's going to be great on the outside. Kanasic is going to be great on the inside. He's still here? Yeah. Did we get it? He, he was a junior transfer, though. Or I thought, I he, thought was he was a, a sophomore transfer. Uh, so he, was a, he was a transfer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Him and Funches were both transfers. Yeah. Kanasic actually might be gone. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yes, 
But so that's besides the point. Coming back around to this this season, the defense. What about Cameron? Uh, what about Cameron? Cameron Good. Good. Cameron Good will be here. Yes. So Cameron Good is one of our one of, will be a future stud too. Hmm. So you look at that and you go, we had the. I mean, we talked about this time and time again. The defense is pretty much the same personnel, right, from top to bottom. Hicks is probably the only impact guy on the defensive end that is playing solid amount of snaps every game that came in with this past recruiting class. And oh, and Funches, of course. But I'm looking at that going, that's such an impressive turnaround over the first six games. To change that defense, which is one of the worst in the Pac-12, heck, the one of the worst in the country, and, yeah, and you're turning it around. Yeah, and top three worst. Yeah, and you're turning that around and making it into and making guys force themselves onto award watch lists, right? Like Devontae Downs just got on to another watch another award list, I think last week. And now you're seeing the potential of all these guys that we. Every year expected them to break out. And now we put them in a system where it works and they're breaking and they're playing so well. So well. I love it. I love watching as as a kid I used to always love watching offense, right? As a kid. Now, you know, after years of Cal football and years of watching the NFL, I love watching good defenses. And this this team is no different. I love watching this defense play. I love the energy that they bring on every snap. I love that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose in this situation at any point, whether it's whether it's third and inches. Like you just you see it and you see it the way they're like talking to each other and you know, crowding the line and and I think the the most telling part is when Darius Allensworth said it before camp or before the season started. I've never had this much fun playing football. And that's that's the best part about it is it lo- it looks like they're having fun, and it's that's it's awesome. I love watching this defense play. So defense is an A plus for me <laughs> through the first six games. Yeah, I think that's fair. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I think the team as a whole is still B. Like I give it a pretty. Oh good yeah, play. yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Even if we don't win another game, I don't know if that'll really change for me. I would want. If I we want, get to a bowl game, would you not consider this an A season, co- considering the circumstances? Oh yeah, sorry. I just didn't, I meant like at the very worst. Okay, at the very worst, yeah. Okay, I probably still take that okay. just because that's what we asked for. Yeah, I and can we hold have that. a great coaching staff too, so there's a lot of potential behind it. Yeah, the future's the future is pretty. By the looks of it, looks pretty solid. Yeah, it looks really bright. Yeah. Um. Let's roll over to the other side. The offense as a whole. Your thoughts? Since I talked about the defense. Um, the offense as a whole. One, you have to take in account you lost your best wide receiver, your best tight end, your best running back. Uh, you have pretty significant <laughs> injuries there that have held this team back. Uh, but the offense is pretty, pretty disappointing. I think we had high expectations for Bo Baldwin and what he did at Eastern Washington, and uh, the just the innovativeness. There was that one play against Washington that Laird played that was like a misdirection. Oh, that was yes. a beautiful play design. Yeah, and then Laird fumbled the ball. Yeah, but I just thought we'd have more of that. So I can't tell if it's like just like they haven't had the time to execute it, 
or if it's just like something I imagine like given Baldwin's success and a lot of rumors around the team that he, you know, really was someone that wanted to bolster his head coaching resume by coming to Cal. Like I'm kind of like saying the book is still out. I give it a low grade, maybe like a C minus D plus. And I don't mean that to be, to mean anything other than the product that we've seen so so far. far, which is, Good against North Carolina, super mediocre against an FCS opponent, good against a, ter- a terrible defense at Old Miss, and then uh, f- okay against USC. Okay? Yeah, it was you, okay. You, you think it's okay? Okay. All right. All right. I'll roll with that. It's okay enough. We were tied. <laughs> uh, and then sub, super subpar at Oregon and, and just like plain despicable at Washington. <laughs> So it's it's just like I don't even I don't know I mean so we just constantly rolled down the cliff. And what are we gonna see against in Arizona, or what are we gonna see once we get out of this world? Because right now, like we're in the depths, we're in the depths of the trough of sorrow. To borrow a line from my CEO, we are in the depths of the trough of sorrow. So it's hard to actually see too much else outside of this trough. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an Oregon State game coming. There is an Arizona game coming. There is a Colorado game coming. All of those with the UCLA game coming, yeah, too. UCLA game coming. Like the last five teams we play, those are winnable ball games. Oh, Stanford's winnable too, in my opinion. Yeah, Stanford's winnable because we could shut them down defensively. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those are winnable ball games. So it's very hard. But my midseason grade is probably a D plus. <laughs> <laughs> it seems harsh. Where do we rank nationally? It can't yeah. be great. It can't be great. No. No. I'm every I'm, week I read about how bad the opposing fans think their own defense is. All of going into Oregon that, that week, all I heard on the Oregon blog was our defense sucks. Yeah. You guys are gonna tear us apart. All I heard on Ole Miss fans, our defense is Swiss cheese. Just wait till you face it. Which kind of happened. Their defense for the Miss looked one. amazing. Against Ole Miss? For like literally for three quarters of that game, Ole Miss defense looked nothing like the defense I expected. That and is true. Then they wore that, that down. That is very true. And we wore them down on the ground, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> no sad sighs, Rob. No sad sighs. No, that's not a sad sigh. It's just <laughs> a, a tired sigh. Because I'm just looking at the numbers right now, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Cause Give me you, the national ranks. I'm not going to give you the national ranks because I feel like that hurts. What? Yeah. Okay, fine. Points per game, 24.3. That's 97 out of 130. Oh, gosh. Right. That's possible. Yeah. Our strength of schedule, though, is 30th out of the 130. So we've actually dropped because of how bad Ole Miss and UNC is. <laughs> uh, who would have thought? Oh, boy. But yeah, um, it does look like, uh, well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's I don't have any other things to talk about for the first six games of the season. Do you have any wrapping up comments? No, it's been fun. It's been a fun. It's been a fun six games. Like it's, it's looking back at it. At least for me, it's exactly as I expected. I expected, yeah. No, no, not in terms of the wins and losses, but how I feel. Because I, I, I t- 
totally went into this season going, we're going to have moments where we're going to be ecstatic of how, how this team looks and how the future looks. But we're also going to have moments where we go, oh, my God, we need to shoot ourselves. Like, it, I knew we were going to have freaking high highs, but also really bad lows. And lo and behold, that's how, this season's, that's how the season's played out so far. So what do you expect? Last six games. Last six games? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> okay. I honestly don't know because of we just don't know what offense is going to show up next week. Right? Are we going to continue this downward trend? Or is yeah. it like... The uh, offense is such a wild card. You can't predict <laughs> anything when the you only constant 39 in, yards the only, the offense. The only two constants we have, right, in, in our Cal football season this year are two things. You know, this defense is going to come out and play every snap. And you know Dylan Clump is going to punt some really nice balls. <laughs> Even and Matt, Matt Anderson is going to make fifty percent of his field goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's gonna he's gonna miss at least one. So yeah. so far, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's why that's why I just don't know how this season is going to play. I just don't know. Maybe Laird runs for two hundred fifty five two hundred fifty yards next week. Like we, like it could happen, but at the same time, like. Laird could also just end up rushing twice for 12 yards. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we just don't know with this offense, with the sheer number of plays that we might or might not run. Dude, we need a running back. We do. We need one. Casimir Allen, please come on down because he looks great. I watched his tape today. Looks amazing. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for us for our Washington and half the season review be on the lookout for our washington state preview and also our audio guide which is the same thing which is all in all the same thing all right um and as always oh and also be on the lookout for some cal basketball media day stuff uh pac-12 media days for basketball is happening this week on wednesday and thursday i believe so wednesday is the women's uh thursday is the men's you going I will. I will. I'm going to try and make the Cal one for the women's um, on Wednesday. And then for the men's, I'll definitely be there all day um, talking and seeing what else is up. But otherwise, that wraps it up for us. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.